Welcome to the Sales Influence Podcast, where we talk about finding the why and how people buy. I'm your host, Victor Antonio. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for letting me your ears. If you're watching this on a video platform, thank you for letting me those eyeballs. Today, I have a gong. Can I call you gong disciple? A gong, uh, I don't know, evangelist? Uh, just Devin Reed, welcome to the Sales Influence Podcast, man. How you doing? Thanks, Victor. Thank you. Uh, c- call me anything you like, as long as it's not four letters. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, Matt. Won't do that, Matt. Hey, Devin, let them know who you are, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, name's Devin Reed, but I'm currently the head of content strategy over at Gong. Uh, before that, spent about six years in sales. So, I was an IC for a few years, mostly selling sales software to sales leaders. So, a little bit of inception. Uh, and then, about a year ago, I like to joke and say I must have hit my head really hard because I both got married and moved into marketing uh, in the same month. So now I lead content strategy at Gong, which is our thought leadership, like our research uh, posts, social media, email marketing, and a lot of hats that fall in between. Yeah, man. So so walk me through. You're the first content marketer I've ever interviewed. So like, walk me through, like, how does this fit? How does this help salespeople? Go broad and then go deep, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. So it is a role. So, I mean, it's content marketing is part of the role. Content strategy is something I'm kind of uh, cornering on my own. It's something I kind of came up with at Gong. And it's a unique position at Gong because our content strategy is different than most companies. And so the reason why I took this role is because our goal as you know, content marketing, content strategy is to solve problems for our target audience, salespeople, sales leaders, mm-hmm. uh, through our content. And so, yeah. you know, I, I say often, I would never have probably moved into marketing at another company because I don't know those audiences as well. I don't know developers very well. I don't know, you know, finance as well. But since we, you know, our ICP is salespeople and that's who I've been for so long, uh, that's why I wanted to take on this role. And so that's that's what I'm doing now. And so we, you know, me and my team create content all types from video, written, audio, like our own podcast all with the goal of, again, you know, educating, of course, that Gong exists, but helping our audience solve problems. Well, some of the reports, I mean, I, I've talked about Gong on my show at least a couple of times on my Sales After Dark uh, live streams. And because I love the fact that you guys put out content that I can, that it's not anecdotal. Do you know what I mean? It's a real yeah. data behind it. Yeah. And so the fact that you help salespeople, which is why I like you guys, you know, so, so what, <laughs> you know, what are, as you're developing this content, I mean, how do you decide? Like what you're going to like, yeah. you, you know, how do you decide what you're going to do? Study. I would say, so it comes from a couple of different ones. So um, often the best ones are those questions or those, you know, th- those questions we've asked ourselves as salespeople along our career that we've never really known, right? So things that you kind of trusted your gut or, you know, maybe you got into sales and someone said, this is how you do it, Victor, day one. And you're like, okay, this is, this is truth to me now. You know, 10 years later, you maybe don't doubt it too much or, Maybe as you're kind of going through a sales motion, you're like, I'm going to you know, I'm going to ask for time on this email, but I don't know. Should I be asking for time? Should I be asking for interest? You know, reaching out and all those, you know, all those little micro nuances and some of the bigger nuances in sales. And so that's what I like to attack for folks saying I'm clearly in a nursery. Uh, I the reason I bring this up is because I've uh, had a newborn daughter. And because of that, I've had to force myself to stop cursing. <laughs> I used to curse all the time. All the time, almost with pride, you know, not, not, not too many times at people. I'm a very kind individual, but uh, but I bring that up because in a sales process, I was wondering, you know, does cursing impact the deal? You know, oh, and, and I, mind you, it's not if I'm selling to you, Victor, you know, you cursing at me. If you're like, Devin, you're a bleep bleep. Like, OK, that's bad. I don't want that. 
But, you know, selling to salespeople, you get a lot of, uh, you know, type A personalities, you get a lot of confidence, you get some aggressive folks. And, you know, my ears perk up when they would curse. And so I wanted to check, you know, does that impact a deal, good or bad? And so we ran some of the numbers. And what was really interesting and uh, validated my behavior was that deal success or win rates go up if there's cursing on the deal. But there's a really specific caveat, which is only if the prospect curses first. So if the prospect curses first and then the buy, and then the seller responds with a curse, that has the highest win rate versus no cursing at See, all, just buyer cursing. Devin, I swear to you, I swear to you, Devin, I knew this. <laughs> I knew this already. I used to tell people, I said, when, exactly. the, when the customer gets comfortable, they just curse in front of you. Like, you know, but it's, yeah, it's, it's not exactly. a, uh, there, you, we could also talk about the tone of the cursing, right? You know, they would just say, you know, mm-hmm. the where they, they go, you know, you know, shite, you know, that didn't work out, you know, and you go, okay, they feel comfortable saying something like that too. And I said, yeah, well, that's shite too. Exactly. You know? And, and you, you yep. felt this like, you could just see it in their eyes, like, okay, you're with me. We're, we're both on the same page. But yeah. by the way, did you find this is fascinating? I knew, I was, I knew this is going to be fun with you, man. Did, did you, you know, <laughs> which curse words? You could just give me the first letters. Did you, you know, because sure. a lot of people try to be, I should say a lot of people, it's too general, too general. I've seen a lot of speakers, trainers, and salespeople just, you know, are little Gary Vaynerchuk wannabes. Do you know what I mean? They want to just drop S-bombs and F-bombs and everything else. You know, did you notice a difference in the type of words that were used? Yeah. So it was fun to, we can get into if you want, kind of how we find this data and how we glean it. Yeah, but, wait, wait, wait. You know, there yes. Was a time I, where I, I say yes. That's exactly why I have you on because I want to talk about this. I want the dirt, man. I want yeah. the gong dirt, man. Come on. That's what I want. Sure. So, so. I send it to, we can get into the details, but I'll finish this story. We can get there is, um, you know, I work with a team of data researchers and scientists that work at Gong. And so I kind of prep them in a meeting, you know, this is what I want to do. And they're like, well, you, you know, you need to send us a list of curse words. So I Googled most common curse words in America, most common curse words in English speaking countries, you know, and, and we, we, we just did English for, for, you know, listeners. Um, so I'll tell you what, I won't say all of them. There was about 10 or 12. The ones you hear frequently, the ones you're, you know, you're like, yeah, I've heard that one. Nothing, nothing too creative. And uh, ran the list. The, what was it? The S word had about 74% of the whole total pie. Uh, the F bomb took the rest of like the 23%. And then there's like 1% other, which is like your B words and your like, uh, you know, yeah. kind of your, your treasury swearing. Uh, so yeah, so that was, that was by far the most, the most common one, which of course we then made a big infographic, you know, chart, put it on LinkedIn and let people go absolutely wild when people were like, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm that person too. And then you get people on the other side who are like, Devin, you're going to go to hell. This is unacceptable, (laughs) immoral behavior. And I was like, that's fine. I've sold my soul many years ago. I already know where I'm going. (laughs) What's funny about that is that I could just see you having this idea. Hey, you know what? I I wonder if swear words impact the closing of a deal. Hmm. Let me go. Let me go talk to my my data scientist, you know, my quants and just ask them, hey, this is what we're going to do. And just the reaction must have been special. Oh yeah, they lo- they're like, oh, this is awesome. so they're in Israel, so they're they're a team of Israel, so you know, Israel Israelis, so you know, there's a a bit of a language barrier, but they're like, no, we curse too, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like they were, they they love the the unique stuff, the you know, the more linguistic side of things than necessarily just like you know, sales specific behavior. But yeah, that was that was a funny one. Uh, I think I made a lot of friends when I published that, and I think I made a few uh, few enemies. A few people probably unfollowed me that day. But too. it was scientific. Uh, I I think I I think I mentioned I interviewed Amit Bendoff. 
the CEO. Yeah. Uh, great guy, by the way. He's the CEO of Gog, Love man. Him. Just a super cool dude, man. And I even told him, I said, you know, what was the it was what was the 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 inspiration or the lack of there of the website because i was like this looks like a colorful mess do you know what i mean the purple yellow red yeah. i go what, what is that and then he goes here's why victor because we want to be different and he went to the whole riff about yeah. it and he goes and, and and you guys have from my perspective i'm kind of your ideal client profile right from my perspective <laughs> i'm like these guys are so out of the box you know, doing things differently that you're, it isn't that you're blowing your competitors away. You're stealing mind share. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Because you can mention mm -hmm. the other guys, you go, well, what was that other name? What was that other company's name? You know, the one that starts with, right. a, with a C. It's got the nice light blue colors, right? And then, yeah. you know, and then, then you got, you say, God, that, yeah, yeah, that company. Yeah. You guys yeah. have really like pushed yourselves you know, towards the front of this thing, this, this, by the way, for, you know, for those of you who don't know what Gong is because you've been living in the cave, Devin, explain what Gong does. What's the platform all about? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you the quick elevator pitch. So we're a revenue intelligence platform. Really what that means is that we capture all the different interactions of a salesperson. So think of the emails that they send with prospects, uh, the calls that they make, the uh, web conferencing meetings. And we take all that and we start to glean insights. So first of all, you'll see what simply is happening across my sales floor, right? If you've got 50, 100, 10,000 salespeople, turn it, like flipping a switch, all of a sudden you can see everything because we're uh, transcribing and analyzing everything. So you can go in there. It's like Google search. You can go in there and type in your competitor and see across every customer interaction how, much, how often they're coming up. And then you can start to see things like analytics, like uh, coaching things, like how much is how often is Devin talking versus listening on a discovery call uh, all the way down to what are the talk tracks that our top performers are using to close deals? And, and there's a million, you know, think, you know, use cases in between that. But at a high level, you were giving visibility to sales leaders so they can develop their team and start to understand what messaging is resonating so that they can close more deals and shorten their deal cycles. Love it. As I when I was doing my research for my first AI book, the Sales X Machina book. One of the things I thought was interesting was, uh, and I forgot who the CEO was, Devin, but it was one, it, it's a technology company, not a competitor of yours. But one of the things he mentioned was, oh, maybe he was a competitor. Yes, he was. And he said, only 5% of the sales conversations actually make it into a CRM. And mm -hmm. I, and I remember, it might have been Amit. Amit said that for a while, too. I mean, okay. he still does. Okay. Might have been. Uh, it wasn't him. It wasn't him. I would have remembered that. Okay. Uh, it wasn't him. But, but, you concur. The two CEOs concur. For sure. It, yeah. And I thought that was that right there was a moment, like a mind blower. If 5% of the conversation is not making it, along, along comes Gong and some of these other companies who now are capturing these conversations, then analyzing mm -hmm. them. And, you know, it's like, okay, this is about to get really interesting. You know, when you look yeah. at, you know, again, not only words, sequences, sentiment analysis, tone, and all those wonderful things. But what what are you starting to see now that you've gotten, you know, you guys have into this, what, two years, maybe three, like really like full throttle, like really pulling out the reports. Yeah, we've been doing it for, the company's been around for five and we've been doing Gong Labs for about four. Yeah. Okay. And I, I guess because I've noticed you in the last two, three years, I'll just say that. And, sure, and, yeah. and, and you guys are pumping out some serious like real great content for people to use. And I love it because it's not anecdotal. It's data driven. We're not talking, mm -hmm. oh, we just studied 500 phone calls. You guys are insane sometimes. Oh, that's, we got a hundred thousand here, 20,000 here. You're like, 
you know, yeah. one question one is how do you guys manage all these conversations? Like where do you get all these conversations that you can analyze them? So it's coming from our product users. So I think we have um, over a thousand clients now ranging from five reps to thousands of reps. Right. And so as we're capturing them, Month over month, they're just we're compounding all this. So we have the largest database of B2B sales conversations in the world. So what's in it for me if I'm one of your users to let you have my content? How because I wanted to ask you this question. I don't want to forget. Yeah. Well, why why would I give you my conversations? I mean, they're kind of confidential. I mean, how do I know that it's not going to be used for you know, so forth for and sure. so on? Uh high level, very secure, GDPR compliant, everything like that. So when if you like, you know, for the teams, uh, you know, LinkedIn's a client. No one outside of LinkedIn can get access to their specific conversations. The stuff that I'm talking about for Gong Labs and the research is completely anonymized. So that's that's kind of the difference there. And, and it's all, you know, it's all in, you know, in the contract and stuff. You know, you, you can see it. It's no one else sees your information. And the stuff that we use for Gong Labs is also the same data set we're using for the AI capabilities, which is, you know, you know, the drill. The more data you have, the better it gets. So we're using it also to kind of like invest back in the platform with the types of analytics that we can start to provide. So, you know, we start to research the data at a high level and we can notice things like, you know, one of our new new feature sets is deal alerts. So things like, hey, Victor, you have this deal set for set to close in two weeks, but you've never talked to a decision maker. You've never talked about price, which we know as like, you know, you've been in sales long enough, you kind of just know. But if you have 40 reps working 100 deals each, a quick, you know, a quick barometer letting you know, hey, these 20 deals are at risk because these reasons, those are the start to those are start to uh, features that we can create by looking at these analytics and these conversations going, hey, we've noticed Deals don't close if you don't talk to this persona or deals don't close if you don't talk about this conversation type. And so we can put that back into the product. So it's kind of this uh, flywheel effect. Got it. And so I, as a, a user, giving you my anonymized data, right, my anonymized conversations, you're going to analyze that. Do you ever come back to me as a user and say, hey, Victor, here's what we found about your conversation specifically? Do you offer that service oh, or yeah. not really? Yeah, of course. That's part of the the customer success's role is to, you know, one, understand where you're at today. Why did you buy Gong and what are you trying to accomplish? And then we have an, a, a customer journey and adoption path of different phases. So it's like, you know, as you start out, you're going to see things that are a little more simple, like, you know, talk time and, you know, what type of words are coming up and some, you know, some basic stuff as you get started. And then as you get more data into the system and as you onboard, you can do some really interesting things like um, one of the VPs of new business sales over at Zoom Info, he's been using Gong and he says, I will not let any deal forecasted that has one point of contact. And he uses the Gong information with some BI tools to give him a dashboard so you can see all of his deals and just go, yes, this is good. Yes, this is good. No, this isn't. And he said his forecasting ability has just gone through the roof. And so that's just one example and we do that for all of our clients. It just looks different, you know, based on the size, the industry, their goals, their growth targets, all that stuff. I can almost imagine. Do you have any data or anecdotal data just like this one in terms of, you know, I started using Gong, you know, and now I know what my analytics should look like, my business intelligence. And now my my forecasting accuracy has gone from 60% now to 75.3% or something like that. Have you seen any of that? Yeah, we're, we're getting there now. I don't have any off the top of my hand, honestly. Um, where we're heading towards was, you know, conversations is where we started. Now we're getting more into deals. So things like you mentioned, like, you know, you see some reports with 20,000 or 100,000, 300,000 calls. Now we're looking more across like 10, 20,000 deals and all of the interactions in those deals. And so that's where some of the deal predictability comes in, because as you know, it's not just what happened on the last call, but it's 
what's been compounding or lack of, you know, lack of uh, uh, compounding, I suppose, since you first started talking to them, right? So what sort of what sort of insights can we provide you to say, hey, this is what a healthy deal looks like for your company specifically. And here are some of the more general things of general universal best practices in sales, which are kind of those things I was saying, like, you know, multi-threading, getting the power, et cetera. So, so that uh, man, you just blowing my mind with that one because I immediately my brain rushed to okay, we're going away from conversations to the number of conversations from the beginning of the deal to the close of a deal. And mm-hmm. you know, do you have a number for how many average conversations are actually had, you know, in these in, deals? In a deal. Yeah, it, it, it depends, right? Because I mean, you have SMB teams at HubSpot, which might close a deal in two weeks and three calls, and then you have enterprise. Uh, sales cycles that might take eight to 12 months and, you know, countless calls. So, so it really just does depend. Yeah. And, and sometimes for a long lab segment, like, Hey, these are SMB and these are enterprise stats. Cause you know, it's tough to say, you know, uh, you know, 30% shorter sales cycle means something very different for those two groups that I just described. Correct. Correct. And so you also within that data, this is the, this is like, you know, this this exciting to me, man. It just blowing my mind. I enjoy, you know, I, I love to hang out with you for a day. I love it too. To do it, yeah. The because now we look at the sales process, right? Whether again it's an SMB or a an enterprise deal. Do you guys also incorporate, or maybe it's not part of the machine learning in this case? You know the the interactions via email, post, mm-hmm. text, all that stuff. Do you integrate all that? Do you know some type of analysis and mix it in with the the audio? Even though I know the audio is really text. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so where we're at right now was we started with conversations. So that was, I believe, mm-hmm. I believe it was web conferencing. I was the third sales or the second salesperson, like 40 something employee, but I'm struggling to remember the very first integration. So it was like zoom and a call tool. Mm-hmm. And then we went and so it was calls and, you know, think of it as like spoken word as the way we kind of presented it early okay. days. Okay. So, you know, all your zoom, all your phone calls, not cell phone. Mm-hmm. And then we just recently launched email. Okay. And now the reason we went from conversation intelligence, we were leading that category. Then we created our own revenue intelligence is because we're moving towards things like uh, think of the whole buyer's journey, all the touch points you have from that very first, maybe Marketo email right, to the first SDR email to the first SDR call, all the calls, you know, da, 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 da. and then you get to maybe like a drift chat bot on your, on your webpage. And then you yeah. get to like a DocuSign being sent. And you get to, uh, you know, what was uh, one of the proposal tools, right? So that's where we're going towards text included self. We just launched something for cell phones. Mm-hmm. So we're, tra- we're going to get to the point where every single type, every channel will mm-hmm. be captured. And so you can see one for the visibility standpoint, but then you can see, okay, this is what an ideal deal looks like. No pun intended. Yeah. Of, you know what I mean? Like, we, you know, texting is great for us. Maybe for some segments, it's a terrible idea to be texting, right? We should see. Um, but yeah, that's what we're getting to. And that's why it's really exciting. Probably hear my voice change is like, you know, to see all these things, like imagine knowing, you know, Hey, in our business, if, if a doctor is not signed in nine days, we're screwed. So, right. you know what I mean? Th- knowing that you can start to take some proactive steps, change your sales process up and make sure that you're hitting on the right notes for your specific ICP and your specific deal set. Yeah. This has to be like blowing up playbooks almost on a daily basis. Those are my favorite emails from clients when they're like, I, we just, you know, we just, uh, we've had one email is really fun. We, we sent them, uh, we shared with them that analysis of um, what talk tracks are working best for their top performers and low performers, right? So imagine seeing this dashboard and you go, this talk track, which is very specific to you company, I won't say their name, is like, this is working. And the CEO saw it 
and was like, wow. And what it was, uh, Victor, nothing you would have guessed as a salesperson thinking value first. What it was, was a Salesforce connector. The Salesforce connector talk track, because what it did is it took intent data from their website, their proprietary mm -hmm. data, and put it into Salesforce so that the company they're selling to could, their sales team could use that data immediately. That's what was getting deals closed. And they had no idea because it's so, you know, it feels so functionality. It's so feature-based. The CEO looked over at the sales, uh, the sales enablement leader and said, starting tomorrow, I want every single demo to have that talk track done. So over, not even overnight, like in that moment, their sales process changed and now that talk track. And then of course they can use Gong to ensure that that talk track is being used on every single demo. I mean, I'm just going to recap for the listeners here because this is like, you know, you're exploding <laughs> brains, you're exploding neurons right now, just shoot them all over the place. And that is that, you know, you're analyzing conversations, but as you're building out the full customer journey, you're basically going omni-channel now, right? You're pulling yep, in the exactly. chatbot information. Uh, it, it, again, the Zoom information's there. You can't do mobile yet. And wherever you get information, you're pulling it in. And even on yeah. contracts being signed, and we know what's happening. So all this stuff is now being compiled, machine learning, deep learning, all those wonderful things, mix it in the pot. And hey, yeah. by the way, here's a piece of insight. Hey, use that little talk track, that little connector on Salesforce. That's what you want right there. Exactly. Yeah, because you guys did a study recently. I was, um, uh, it was somebody mentioned that. I looked at it real quick. And it was like, how, when you call somebody, you ask them, how are you doing? That was one. The other one is, uh, did I catch you at a good time? And then, mm -hmm. and then the third option was, how are you doing today? Or something like that. And the yeah. corny, the corny, how you do it, are they, or, you know, what was, do you remember the phrase? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the winning phrase was, how have you been? How have you been? That was, <laughs> yeah. Because people always go, oh, Hey, Victor, Devin here. How you doing? And you're like, fine. Who's this? Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then there was, should I make Victor say it's a good time or a bad time? And so that was the baseline of the report. I think it was like, is this a good time or a bad time? <laughs> I have to, I have to look. It doesn't matter. They both failed. And then the, the most successful one by like, like two or three X was, Hey, Victor, how have you been? That was it. And, that the, was it. and the reason why is because it insinuates we've spoken before, even if we haven't. Yeah. But it's also not, it's not lying because it's like, well, I could, I can meet you for the first time and go, Hey, how have you been? And you'd be like, I, oh, I'm doing all right. Right. It just kind of feels more conversational. Like you've been like, you've talked to me before. It's, uh, yeah. And so the, like those little nuances. And then of course, you know, if you're running a sales dev team and you can get one more meeting a week from your rep using that one line start to compound that week over week. Like that's a serious, serious impact. Yeah, no, no, I love that. Hey, by the way, by the way, I predicted this, that you guys would start consolidating. You know, all, right now there's so many technology companies out there yeah. that are just offering these different services. And it reminds me of the dot-com, but not in a bad way, not in a bad way, like sure. the market's going to go to hell. It, it, it's reminding me of the, then the major players rise to the top, and then consolidation begins to happen. The buyouts begin to happen. Yeah. And so you just partnered with Zoom, which I was like, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. Because, yeah. I mean, right now, I'm not saying they're the best service. I have my issues with Zoom. If you're listening, Zoom, come on, up your, up your resolution <laughs> game, right? But, you know, they're the big player. They're, yeah. they're the go-to. They're the, uh, the standard now. By the standard, I mean is like the default. Yeah, just use that. It's like uh, it's like Uber, you know, when you're ta you know, you say taxi and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll Uber there. Even if you're going to get in a lift, you say Uber. Now it's Zoom. I was watching Saturday Night. We love Saturday Night Live in my house. Yeah. And you, you, heard, you heard Zoom only for like two, three weeks. All these skits, Zoom, talking about Zoom. It's like now even if you're going to jump on one of the other 12, 20 options, you, you still say Zoom. So got to hand it to them.
How how did that partnership? What did you did you have any behind the scenes? You know, maybe you were hanging out with Amit, and he kind of said, "All right, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're going to do." And then, how did that conversation come about? So, I, I admittedly, not on the partnership teams. I talked to Amit uh, from time to time, but not about partnerships. What it came down to is, if you think about the omnichannel approach, and what we just said, right? Kind of going through all the touch points. You also want to look at where your buyers are. Like, what are they using? And so. Shameless plug, you can use Gong to see which product integrations are coming up more frequently. So that helps us guide our strategy. But I mean, like you said, we all know Zoom is crushing it and everyone wants to be, you know, as close to Zoom as possible. And Zoom is also, uh, you know, likes Gong and wants to be close to us as well. And so the one of the big feature sets, and it seems very, that's eh, a feature, but it's really important from like a uh, compliance standpoint, is now when you use Gong and Zoom together, when you join the meeting, there's just a quick pop-up that says, hey, this is going to be recorded. Are you cool with that? And it's just one click. If you say yes, you're in the meeting, it's recording. If you say no, you're in the meeting, it's not recording. It's just a really flawless and seamless experience that helps um, you know, compliance and legal teams feel a lot better about using Gong. So it's also you know better for our prospects and better for our clients, rather, uh, from a use case, you know, just using it, it's a better experience. Uh, and then also helps us continue to sell more because it's an easier you know, approval process. So, so let me see if I understand how this is going to be utilized. I am a company. Uh, I'm going to have a conversations. I'm going to reach out to some potential cl- clients. I'm going to have conversations via Zoom. Uh, so we're going to record it. Zoom is then going to help me analyze that content on how that one conversation went. Obviously, there's more conversations, but that's really what I'm looking at from a buyer perspective. Uh, kind of think of it more as like, let's say you're using Zoom, right? Like, you know, you're, you're using Zoom already and you're going to get on the phone with Devin, the sales guy gone. And you're going to say, okay, like, this sounds really cool. I love the value. Just, you know, I'm sold. But like, how does this thing work? Like, are you going to record my calls? What do you mean? And so, you know, you do get that friction where people just want to make sure that they're being, you know, uh, cautious and going through the right approvals. And so all we're doing is connecting with Zoom. And so when you're like, you know, hey, once you buy and you implement Gong, there is absolutely no change in your seller's workflow. They're still going to send the Zoom link. They're still going to click the Zoom link to join. And when... their buyers, their prospects join. There's just that little pop-up window to make sure everyone's on the same page, knowing that the call's being recorded. Gotcha. And then that information is stored where? Like back to Zoom. It, back to Gong. Excuse me. So everything still is all the analytics and everything is still in Gong. It's just using Zoom to capture that data. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's almost like a conduit. So I mean, exactly. by the way, exactly. Yeah, you you mentioned the pushback. I mean, you know, initially it must have been interesting to get a lot of pushback, like say three, four, five right. years ago. When you're right. saying, all right, here's the deal. Check it out. What we're going to do is we're going to record calls. And once we record mm-hmm. calls, it's going to change all your talk tracks. And believe us, our data is good. Come on. Tell me about the pushback you initially got and then yeah. how that shifted over today. Yeah. So being in a small room, it was, uh, like I said, it was second sales hire. So it's a very educational sell back in 2017. Were, were, you, the, were you the second one? Yeah, yeah, it was Jameson, our VP, Alex Vassin, our first, he's now in our enterprise team, and then myself. Um, and so, yeah, it was early, early days. Those, you know, those days where you're like, I left a well done, publicly man. traded company for, yeah, <laughs> Smart for this. Man. You know, back then, you never know. You never know until back you Back then, you, know. you go, hmm, you know, because, yeah, I mean, if a guy like Amit would come up to me and say, all right, here's what I want you to do. Quit your job over there. Come with me. I got a purple website. We're going to do this. I would have been like, I yeah. don't know. 
I don't know. <laughs> I I naturally go against the grain. Uh, I'm, I fit the gong brand very well. Uh, okay. I remember I remember being in the first time. I was like, when did I get? When did I become this way? I remember being in kindergarten and it was recess and the recess was over and there was uh, the teacher. She was like, hey, I want two single file lines next to each other. Well, if you ever try to get like a six year old next to another six year old quietly, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's going wild. And so I remember just a very early age being like, you know, this would be a lot faster if we did single file. <laughs> if we just did what I the way I viewed this, we'd be a lot faster and a lot better. And I'm like, wow, what a what an absolute conceited, self-centered kid to think that he knew more than the teacher at the time. But all is to say that I love the you know, going against the grain, thinking outside the box, the loud colors, like if, if nothing else, it's memorable. So when you're at the right. next sales conversation, sales event, whatever it is, you're like, I think I remember them. Yeah, that's gong, right? And and that's your one. We'll go back to the actual question was getting people to understand the value of recording calls and that recording was okay. Wasn't, you know, this, a lot of people just got really worried. Um, year two was like kind of how can we make this work and now if you want to call today year three now people are like i pretty much get it let's just get through this through legal make sure legal's fine and we'll we'll, we'll move forward but in, in the early days it was uh you know hey we're going to record transcribe and analyze your sales conversations and provide and like right when you finish the elevator pitch like wait you're going to record what and you're like oh, damn. okay yeah so let me let me explain so we're going to record and you know people are like well is that legal what state well, you know and then what you had to become was a uh, one. You can never provide legal advice because that's not what we are. Mm-hmm. But you had to understand there's twelve. I believe it's twelve states in America that are dual party consent states versus single party consent states. So it's like you know you get into the technicalities. Mm-hmm. The problem is, Victor, you don't want to get into the technicalities in the first ten minutes of a sales call about the recording laws in the country you live in. You want to get to like the value. Mm-hmm. So what we learned early on was you know the shorter. And again, you track this and go. Uh, the shorter those conversations were, is like the, the highest success rates. Is you want to like you know you want to go high level value, dip into the recording laws, and like yeah, you're fine, Can, you know everything's good, and then dip right back up as quickly as possible into the value pitch, uh, and then obviously just get through legal later. I'm, I'm going to ask you an obvious question, and but you can answer it any way you want. The sure. what what is the what is the profile? Of a of a successful gong user, like what are some of the best practices that they use? That you say, you know, companies do this, they you know they succeed with our product when they don't do this. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I would say the first thing is you know implementing gong as part of your process. It's not you know using gong is not a Friday at four o'clock afternoon. You're not going to get the most value out of it, but it's also not something that you need to do every hour and like live in gong. So I would say the the most successful teams are ones that make a weekly or bi-weekly coaching session. And what they do, and this is, you know, think of this is more like on the frontline rep side of things, right? And the reason why is you can start to hear what good sounds like from other reps, which is something you usually would have to, you know, Victor's the number one rep and I just started here. I got to go buy Victor lunch and hope that he lets me shadow his calls, which is really super annoying because he's a top producer and he doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm some new guy, right? That's how we heard what good sounds like. Or you reliant on role play, which I was a top seller. I hate role playing. It just feels phony. Never been a fan. Super valuable, but I don't like it. Then you get these coaching sessions. And what we would do at Gong, and, and many people do this, but it's, you know, okay, VP of sales says we're going to work on our competitive differentiation for the next month. So from right now to next week's meeting, we do these weekly. I want you to tag me, the VP, in the call right at the moment of your competitive differentiation. We're going to put it in this folder and we're all going to listen to them together, all eight of us on the team. And so you start to listen, you know, then you go in there. All right, cool. All right, Devin, you're up. You know, you got to listen to your call in front of everybody. And you start to listen. You realize, 
man, I thought I sounded good, but I sound a little, little timid. I sound a little weak there. I had saying, I think I said, um, 14 times. I don't, I don't sound very compelling. Mm-hmm. And then everyone goes around the table. What could have Devin done differently? What could have Devin done better? And then you start yeah. to get really great feedback. Right. And then you get to, you know, uh, Jamie and you hear her and she crushed. It's a 30 second, the sharpest, most concise thing. And now you go, perfect. That's what I'm going to start doing. Gotcha. Right? And so you have this early, now this is just like the first phase of the, of the, mm-hmm. of onboarding gong is just starting to get your hands on it and start to hearing what it looks like. The other parts though, are a little bit more for like the executive leadership. And that's, you know, I would say is like believing that there are answers that you can use data to answer versus like your instinct, right? Which is like, uh, here, here's a good example. I was talking to a sales leader and he's like, hey, we're getting our butts kicked from these two competitors. And I need to use Gong to figure out what, when, why, where, how, so I can, you know, increase our competitive win rates next quarter. Increasing competitive win rates is a pretty strategic goal, right? It, can, it means a lot, you know, hits market share, hits revenue, it t- touches on a lot of things, a lot of things. So what he did, we, we were actually in the pilot phase. So he ran it for two weeks. And at the end of the two weeks, we came together and we simply typed in the name of those two competitors in, in, uh, separately. So one competitor, one, click enter. Across every single sales conversation, came up twenty percent of the time. It's a lot. Every every fifth call, this competitor from new business to post sale, everything. He's like, all right, yeah, that's what I expected. Then he says, let's type in competitor two. Types it in, four percent. But his sales reps had been telling him that that competitor two was the reason why they're losing deals. But that's not true because they're not really coming up that often. So what he did is he goes, you know what? Competitor two is actually not a problem. There's a few loud people and a few, you know, a few meetings that said that this was a problem, but it's really not a problem objectively. So we're not going to even look at competitor two. We're going to look at competitor one and I'm going to start to use some filtering. And I want to hear what winning, like that competitive talk track when it leads to a one deal versus when it leads to a loss deal and start to compare the two. Right. And so now he had a, you know, now he had a new playbook where he can start to coach his team on landmine questions and how to handle certain objections, what to expect even like, Hey, we like X, we like competitor a, because blank. And using that blank to provide better intel for their, you know, I mean, provide better talk tracks for mm-hmm. their team. And so that's how they went about increasing win rates. So again, said, the, the kind of recap is like, you know, implementing coaching as part of your process, but then also, you know, using data to answer these questions and to solve these strategic problems. I, I'm telling you, that's why I think, it, look, I, I come from an engineering background, which is why this, I, I think I am in my era finally. I like I like sales, I like communicating, but the engineering side was always there, yeah. right? And so this is my world. Like, you know, like you you talk, this is like, oh, this is just, keep going, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. uh, because I love it. We're point, it's not anecdotal. I always hated training because it was always yeah. anecdotal. And then you always had to have, go ask Bill or Jill. Right. Hey, Bill, how'd you do that? How'd you close that deal? Well, you go in there and you just, you know, say this, say that. And that's how you close the deal. And I'm like, well, that didn't work for me. And they're like, I don't know what to tell you, Victor. You suck. You know, you're like, hey, like, hey, wait a minute. That's it was it was that, uh, you know, it was that um, subjective. It was very, you know, and it's based on the scenario. Right. That might work for that person or their style. But you need to be trained and coached and get the experience on when to use that talk track and when to use that tone. Versus times where you should use something completely different. And, and that's what's interesting about what you just said, because I don't think this is talked about enough, is that you're listening to a talk track. You listen to yourself, as you said, said, ooh, sounded a little timid, right? Then you heard mm-hmm. the other young lady, and she sounded like champ, boom, you know, stuck the landing, right? Just came off the beam, exactly. boom, stuck the landing. Yeah. And you're like, 
listen to that tone. And that really is the best way of learning to actually listen to the tones, the velocity. And that's, oh, that's how you say it. And then you go back there in one of your studies that I thought was so cool. By the way, if you just go to gong.io, please just, just, if you listen to this, just go to, go to gong.io. Every single report they have, just download every infographic they had, just download, just put a file, a folder on your <laughs> desktop and just go through the content. Uh, if you're not doing it, you know, you and I'm going to say this, you know, gong, uh, and Gartner are like my two pillars of content. When it comes to research, I appreciate that. That's you know, and that's yeah, that's that's real good company, and that's that's sincere. I mean, that's people say, where do you get the great content? Gartner, Gong.io. I mean, just great oh. content. But one of the studies you had, I remember this one. Uh, that when when it, when somebody mentions a competitor early, it's not actually a bad thing. You know, mm-hmm. explain that one to the audience. I want the audience to hear this one. This was one of your reports. Yeah, this is one Chris Orlov wrote. So I always give Chris a shout. He created Gong Labs. He was employed like four with the meat back in the day. So he was the By one who way, created Gong Labs. Got to give him a shout out. I interviewed Chris. Yeah. Super dude, man. I love him, man. He's a great dude. He's, he's great. He's, he's been a mentor and a friend for a while. Um, so I'm going to do my best to remember it. And if I'm off, uh, if you fact check me after the show or, or just look at the report. But essentially what it was is the, the difference is, you know, people want to say, you know, Victor, should I talk about competitors earlier or late? And, you know, you get the, the quick, easy answer, which is easier or late. And then you go back to your, you know, go back to your job and you know what to do. That one was interesting because it was dependent on if it was an emerging market, like a gong and conversation revenue intelligence, or if it was a more um, like mature market. Right. So things like, you know, sales for CRM, let's call it, you know, it's been around forever. And I, I can't remember for sure. I want to say that in the early market, it was better to talk about them first. And position yourself because they were new to the market. They didn't know who you were. They didn't know who your competitors are. So they're kind of like, you know, I've never heard of sneakers. If you tell me Reebok's better than Nike, all right, that's the first intel I have. And now I'm, you know, ingrained that Reebok's better than Nike. And obviously that's subjective, but you know what I mean. And then for saturated mark or mature markets, rather, it's more, well, I already know, you know, who these players are. You know, it's Salesforce, you know, it's, you know, Zoho and a couple other options. And so the timing the timing dependent there. I'm 85% uh, confident that that's the correct order. But like I said, go check it out because it's interesting. Like a lot of these gong labs reports, isn't just, you know, one size fits all it's here's what you thought, but then let's go a level deeper and go really, really into it and go, Oh, it actually depends on what market I'm in. I never would have thought of that. I just thought it mattered when, but that that's what makes the data real. It's not, you know, rule of thumb. It's like very contextual. What's the context? Yeah. And once exactly. you understand the context, you go, oh, that's where I use it. You know, getting back to the talk tracks, you know, I learned this lesson years ago. Uh, I used to work for the company. We used to do some sales training and I would pitch. And I remember I had to learn a whole script for a whole day, like a full day script, which is like a manual that thick. Yeah. And they would, they would, we do five sessions, like five full days, five days a week, obviously. And so we were one week on, one week off. And we could tell when my sales went down. This is pre-analytics, by the way. When mm-hmm. I got off the talk tracks, because yeah. we would go back. Because when they saw my sales dip, they would go, "Okay, pull the tape from this day, you know, or pull the CD, the MP3, pull it out." And then we pull it, and they listened to it. And said, "Let's go through it." And they sample. He goes, "Okay, right here. See, you went, you went off track right here." And yeah. that's what I learned that being on script is not a bad thing, as most people think, as long as you. No internalize it and make it yours exactly the difference is you can hear when someone is reading versus when someone's speaking because our cadence shifts yeah if i start reading off this piece of paper on my desk you're probably 
I'm, I'm a relatively practiced speaker and you're going to catch me pretty quickly. And that's why if I'm like, and this Victor is why you should buy today. <laughs> I mean, it's like, come on, man, come on. What are you reading? That sounds terrible. Right. My, Versus, my, you know, my, and, and, and for that reason, Victor, that's why I think you should buy today. To- totally different, totally different. Right. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not against scripts that they get a bad rap, but one, there are a lot of bad scripts out there. And then two, you have to know how to, I, I want to say read it, but really like internalize it. So it feels real. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where the, your, your platform, it really plays into the right scripts. You know, let's move into the final part of this. Cause I, I want to ask you to kind of be like Nostradamus right here, a little pre- you know, prediction <laughs> right now. <laughs> We'll see. Well, we should, Dude, I got to write these down we'll, and follow up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go, I'm gonna send, it to, uh, send this to me and I'll CC Chris Orlov. Hey, look what your boy said. Uh, I know. You know, so when you look at, you know, all these players, all these uh, companies that are all around, you, you see the CRM. The CRM typically sits at the middle like an ERP system, right? It just sits in the middle. Everybody's bolting stuff on to the, the CRM. And then we hear phrases like sales enablement, right, to help the salespeople. And then you have, you know, you have these sales. What is the other plat? You know, whatever the other that marketing uses, marketing automation. Yeah. Uh, the engagement platforms, that's what it is. We have engagement right, right. platforms. We have enablement platforms. How do you see this work? What's the future of a salesperson look like in a B2B scenario? How do you see where, – where is that arc, that trajectory going? What are the skill sets that's going to be required three to five years from now to really be an effective salesperson? It's a great question. And, of course, no matter what I say, there will be people nodding their head and probably an equal amount telling me I'm a fraud. Uh, so it's, it is a hot take here. I think it's going to come down to kind of uh, – three key areas. So one is, and I'll use the the terminology for, so we're all kind of on the same page. So to me, it's sales engagement. Now, whether you're a self-sourcing AE or you have a specialized team of BDRs, SDRs, whatever, the ability to book meetings at the top of the funnel will always be very important. Where I think we're going towards is away from volume, hopefully, and towards, I don't want to say personalization. I think just compelling, you know, human to human messaging. Right. Which is like, you know, for example, we hear a lot of I I like to say this, Victor, how many times are you in the kitchen and you goes, I need to leverage the knife. (laughs) You don't say leverage, you say use. I need to use a knife to cut this thing. But so many times we get into, you know, we talk the way me and you are speaking now very casually. And then we get into our prospecting email to Victor and it goes, you know, Victor, our revenue intelligence platform will help you leverage. And it's like this, you know, $20 words. And it's like, who wrote this? Like maybe a human being, but probably not. And so I think we're going to get to a place where go to market messaging is going to be a lot more focused on. I can actually see there be a content strategy role or like a go to market, like specialist manager, not necessarily at the level, but that focus of, understanding our our audience very deeply what problems are they running into and how can we problem market using top of funnel messaging that's what i think the first thing will be so less of call it personalization if you want but i think it's more than that it's not it's not dynamic fields it's changing it from a this is about us and our product messaging to this is about you victor and i understand you so i think that's the first thing that will have to be done um the second one if you kind of go down the funnel is the conversation the deal the things that gong is working on which is you know, I don't know how long we'll be inside. I don't know if we'll move to a hybrid after the pandemic. I'm not sure. Uh, I personally think that hybrid or, you know, virtual seller, whatever you'd like to call it, digital seller will be the key. I don't think anyone's going to be exclusively on the road anymore. Um, and so you're going to need to know how to use technology, not only just to connect. Zoom is table stakes, but 
How can you understand the messaging that works at your discovery phase, at your presentation phase, at your um, proposal phase, all the way through, all the way across your segments as a business, right? Because all these act very differently. I think that sort of intel is what's going to shape market leaders from everyone else, people that are taking the time to really understand what's moving deals forward. And then also the types of channels like we were kind of talking about earlier, like how can I equip my sales team? So Devin knows how Zoom works. He's got, you know, fine email skills, but he's also, you know, we've got text and we've got this and we've got that. Whatever that looks like, whether it's video, whether it's text messaging, whatever these kind of uh, more modern channels are, even though we've been using them forever. I think that will be kind of the second one. And the third is companies like Seismic, which are like your sales enablement content plays, which I think still has a way to go in terms of people acknowledging the importance of it. But having the right content at the right time of the buyer's journey is so overlooked right now. Right now we say, sales teams say, I need a, I need a uh, customer story, right? I need, I need some stats. Give me something I can share. But it's, it's, and then it, but then it's used from after the first discovery call all the way to proposal. And like, there's no way that that one piece of content is going to speak to the problems and where they are in the valuation process. So, so companies like Seismic, we're, we're, we're friends with them, partners with them as well. Great stuff. Um, that's what they're doing. So I think it's then it's getting so analytical. We even can equip your sales team to know which content you should use for which type of deal at which point for which ICP. And then tracking that and making it better over time. I think those are kind of the three key things you'll start to see in the next few years. Yeah, that last one's a mind blower, by the way. Just, just, yeah, you need machine learning for that because there's no way. You know what I mean? Just to be able to pull it, that. Yeah. Uh, that is amazing. I never even thought about that, Devin, my man. I know you got to run, man. Do your thing, man. But uh, let these folks know where they can find out more information about you. Gong.io, obviously, but you have yeah. another website also. I do. So uh, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Devin Reed, R-E-E-D. Uh, feel free to follow or connect. I'm open to both. Uh, and then, yeah, I also run The Reader, which is a play on the last name. Uh, I do some consulting for content strategy. All, all the things we talked about today from you know sales cadences to uh, demand gen, content marketing, all that stuff. So yeah, if you're interested, want to work together, uh, give me a shout. So gong.io and then also The Reader, T-H-E-R-E-E-D-E-R.co. If I got .co. it right. Yeah, dot .com is too expensive. I'm, I'm bootstrapping, yeah. so it's .co. <laughs> I'm cutting my budget. I dropped the M. Slash <laughs> my budget. All right, man. Well, Devin, thank you for your time. And that is it for this Sales Influence Podcast. Leave me some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube, or wherever you're watching or hearing us. Also, check out Devin's site, thereader.co. And after that, check out the Sales Velocity Academy. You know the deal. Over 50 courses, 500 videos, if you want to sell more faster. Lastly, I want to thank you for listening. This is Victor Antonio, always reminding you, along with my man Devin, that selling ain't hard once you have the right data and you know how. Take care.